All right, folks, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. Part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am excited to discuss this Denver Nuggets win over the San Antonio Spurs. You heard that right. I started the last podcast exactly like that, too. We're going streaking, folks. Two wins over the Spurs, three wins in a row now. The Nuggets are 7-3, and three and lo and behold, I think they're tied for fourth in the West right now. I think that's a... It's a pretty good place to be. They're tied, actually, though, they're tied for second in the West with Phoenix and with Portland. The Utah Jazz, one of the only teams that Denver has lost to, are sitting at the top at nine and three. So that win keeps looking, uh, or that loss to, to them early in the season keeps looking fine. The Portland loss keeps looking fine given, uh, where Portland is at right now. And the Lakers loss, uh, you, you, you win some, you lose some, but, In this particular game, this was a great, great example of what people think the Denver Nuggets can be at their ceiling. And it's not just like, like they didn't play that great. Let's, let's be honest. They, they were fine for a lot of the game until they had to be better. I think the beginning of the third quarter where they got outscored 11 to three, Michael Malone calls a timeout bordering on a rage timeout, but it was certainly warranted. That was another example of, hey, you start out slow in the third quarter, you need a little bit of a kick in the nuts, and the Nuggets kick it into gear. Jokic set a great tone tonight. Jamal Murray set a great tone tonight. Michael Porter was fantastic tonight, though he didn't close, and we'll get to that soon. I'm very, very impressed with the Nuggets' resiliency because this is a game against the Spurs. They win 115-109. This is a game that you're you're allowed to lose. If they had lost tonight, I wasn't about to come on and be like, oh man, this is a huge deal. Because it's not. Like, let's be real. How often do teams win both ends of a home and home against a team that's not bad? Like, I don't think anybody's watching the Spurs tonight and is thinking, oh yeah, they're only going to win 20 games this year. There's no way. This team is so much better than I think a lot of people really appreciated. And lo and behold... Denver, they kind of had their hands full in this one on the road, and they had to gut it out, and they did, because Denver has one of the best star duos in the league. It's very clear, been trying to tell people, I totally understand if you're a little bit slow on the upkeep with Jamal, he's coming back, he's taking his time, but I'm very, very happy with where Jamal is at right now. He just continues to keep impressing. We'll start with the starters in the first segment. We'll go to the bench in the second segment and talk about some of the MPJ stuff as well. And then we will, in the third segment, we're going to talk a little bit more about the extended Jokic-Murray duo and talk about where they rank in the league in terms of, not necessarily duos, but in go-to actions that other teams have. So let's start with Jokic. I think you got to start there. He continues to set the tone in these last couple. Against the Spurs, he has been great. Tonight, he missed a couple bunnies. Let's be honest. like that That's very abnormal for somebody like Jokic. I think he missed like four or five in the first half, like two or three in the second half. Missed his only three-point attempt, but he still finished very positive. Still finished a great game. 34 minutes, 26 points, 11 of 20 from the field. There's those 20 field goal attempts I wanted to see. Very nice. 10 assists, 8 rebounds, 2 steals, 3 blocks, 
plus 15. Did turn the ball over four times. There were a couple sloppy ones there, to be clear. But I do think that this was one of Jokic's best games. Despite the fact that he missed a couple bunnies, he was very engaged, very aware on the defensive end of the floor. He was captaining things extremely well on the offensive end of the floor. Had a clutch basket over Jakob Pertl right at the end of the game where I think it was uh, within... I think it was within two at that point, and the Nuggets kind of run an Iverson cut for Jokic across to the other side of the floor on the right side. He isolates at the elbow extended, looks at Jakob Pertl, hits a mid-range jumper over him, uh, lead goes up to four. Then Denver gets a stop. They go down, and Jamal Murray and Jokic, they run their two-man game. Jamal finds a seam. Josh Richardson has to rotate up from the top, and Murray finds a, a wide-open Aaron Gordon right under the rim. Bullet pass, great pass. It was great for Murray there, but a lot of it is because Jokic is attracting so much attention. Murray's attracting so much attention, too. And we'll talk, like I said, we'll talk about the, the two-man game. I'm getting ahead of myself here. Jokic specifically was very locked in. He was very, very good. Two steals, three blocks is a a strong indicator of that. He once again played at the level a little bit more in this game. He did so last game and I think had some good defensive success as well. But Denver, their their defense kind of struggled at times tonight. 28 points allowed in the first, 34 allowed in the second, 27 allowed in the third, but only 20 allowed in the fourth. And you don't allow 20 points. If the center of your defense is not locked in, and Jokic made plays, he directed traffic, he forced forced some tough shots, everybody else around him was also intense and also playing pretty well, don't get me wrong, but it was great to see Jokic at the center of things, really, really engaging on the defensive end and making things tough for just about everybody. Keldon Johnson was fantastic, Devin Vassell. Got his shots off, and Josh Richardson, man, Josh Richardson was very, very good tonight. But it dried up in the fourth quarter. And the reason for that is because of how great Denver's defense was with Jokic at its center. The Spurs turned the ball over 24 times tonight. 24. Now, some of those were bad passes. Some of those were screening violations, uh, travels. There were a lot of travels called tonight. Uh, The refs were having a really strong off day, especially in the first half of this game, but uh, sort of evened out by the end of it. But Jokic, again, at the center of everything, playing extremely well. This is the kind of engaged moment that I want to see from him, that I think he has shown that he will step up in these times. And you saw very clearly Denver's formula that when the going gets tough, Jokic and Murray are going to get going, and Jokic more so than just about anybody. Let's talk about Jamal. Uh, Had a couple mistakes at various points throughout this game. Jokic shot 0 of 1 from 3. Murray shot 0 of 3 from 3. So the the spacing for that duo wasn't great, but they still made it work. And the reason they were able to make it work was because Murray was navigating the open space in the lane and, and kind of in the mid-range area so, so well, just creating a lot of opportunities for himself and Jokic 
in that span. It was fantastic. It was just fantastic to watch those two go to work together because I think Michael Malone said post-game, they're like peanut butter and jelly. It's so true. It really is so true because they complement each other so well. Murray is very comfortable handling the basketball. Sometimes he pounds it a little bit too much, but Jokic riffs off of that. He's able to fully understand and kind of morph into what Murray needs at that time. And both of those guys are very adaptive to each other and what the defense is doing, how they want to run certain sets on the offense. And it resulted tonight in Murray getting 19 points, five rebounds, six assists, did have four turnovers as well, just like Yoke, but those two, especially in the clutch, just absolutely killed it. It was very impressive. Murray came in, immediately showed uh, some stability, some calmness in his ability to really settle down what the Nuggets needed to do on that end. There was less variance, and I'll talk about that when we talk about MPJ, but less variance with that closing lineup, and Murray and Jokic were just generating great shot after great shot, and that's what you're going for with that duo. You surround those guys generating great shots with good defenders. Usually it's going to go well. That's a, that's a great formula. Credit to Malone for getting to it. Michael Porter, he didn't close the game tonight, but he did play well. I want to make that clear, and he deserves a lot of credit for the way that he played. There were a couple mistakes. I thought he let go of Doug McDermott a couple times. Thought he got mixed and matched. Uh, on some guys and and didn't necessarily fare well uh, at times when he needed to. But overall, how can you argue with the shooting? How can you argue with the production that he had? He was running in transition. He was hustling on defense. And boy, can he shoot the ball still. It's crazy. Uh, Death taxes and Michael Porter shooting 50% from three. It's just going to happen. Like I, I feel very confident about that, that as long as he stays... Uh, focused and engaged and locked in, he's going to shoot 50% from three on the year. 24 points in 30 minutes, nine of 16 from the field, four of eight from three. Did have six rebounds. He's crashing the glass. He's doing what the Nuggets asked him to do. His plus minus wasn't as high as it usually is because I think the bench definitely had some struggles. Uh, Not necessarily his fault. We'll get to the bench in the second segment, but Porter didn't close. And that was fine. I thought that Denver needed what Bruce Brown brought and what that means for the offense, what it means for the defense. I thought they needed that version of themselves that night or tonight to close because you've got uh, Devin Vassell, you've got Kelton Johnson, you've got Josh Richardson. All three of those guys were going off and you had to make sure. And Trey Jones also, 20 points on nine of 13, nine assists, three, three turnovers, four the young point guard for San Antonio. So you want to make sure that you're defending all of those guys and you have a switchable group. And Denver did. They had a great group out there to manage that, where you've got Gordon and he was defending Kelton Johnson. You have uh, KCP, Bruce Brown, and Murray. They can all switch. They can all handle different assignments with Jokic kind of in the middle guarding Pirtle. And it was great. It worked out extremely well. And that's exactly what the Nuggets needed at that time. It didn't necessarily, that doesn't mean badly for Porter, though. 
Like he still played 30 minutes. He still carried the bench in a lot of different ways. And the the way that he handles that, I do think that there are ways that he can get more shots with that bench unit, better shots with that bench unit. Going to have to talk about that. But he got a lot of great shots with the starters too. Lots of transition shots for him. Both layups and threes. Spaced the floor. Did a lot of what he needed to do. It was great. Aaron Gordon finished with four steals and a block tonight, which if I just stop right there, like that's great. He had nine points on five shots, five rebounds, five assists, four steals, and a block. Zero turnovers was a plus 10. Honestly, I did not think he was locked in for much of this game. And that's fine. Like there's definitely like there are times where he can lock in and lock out. No problem. Uh, everybody kind of gets their moment. That's fine. But Keldon Johnson was going off and there were a lot of sets that the Spurs were running where it was kind of Aaron Gordon on both ends of the floor, just not necessarily fully locked in. But you look at the numbers and you look at what he did and it, it really wasn't a problem at all because when you go nine points and five shots, you're being productive in your opportunities, even though they're limited. He had two offensive rebounds. He had five assists. He had four steals. Like, what do I what do I say here? Like, I think that there are some detail things that are going to be picked up on film where it looks a little bit slow. It looks like he didn't close out all the way. And that's fine. As long as he saves it for another matchup, really locks into, let's say, Jason Tatum or DeMar DeRozan or somebody like that later on this road trip, that would be really helpful. And finally, KCP. Uh, what more can people say about KCP at this point? 11 points, one of three from three. Uh, only made one three, but it just happened to be clutch in the last three minutes of the game. Uh, very, very important. Plus 17 led the team in plus minus because lo and behold, three steals, three assists, four rebounds. Very productive dude. Uh, just knows how to play his role to perfection. I thought he bothered Devin Vassell down the stretch. Thought he switched out onto other guys and played the played the passing lanes just really well. This dude's incredible. He's a lot of fun. I'm so glad that he's a Nugget because I've long thought that KCP would be a great fit for this starting unit. And lo and behold, he is. He's great. Ryan knows one thing, at least at least one, actually two things because I I can take credit for Murray as well. But uh, no, has been fantastic. Like. He is great. It's great to have a true 3 and D player on the team because it just makes it look easy, even though it's hard. So glad to see it. Overall, the starters had a great night. Michael Porter was only plus three, but Aaron Gordon plus 10, Jamal Murray plus 10, Jokic plus 15, KCP plus 17. That's great. Six point win. They were the difference in this game. And they deserve a lot of credit for that, for obvious reasons. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to discuss the bench unit and some of the things that went wrong, but mostly we'll stick with the positive. But first, everybody, football is back and nobody's more excited to tell you about it than your friends at Superbook Sports. Superbook is bringing Vegas-style wagering to the palm of your hands, and now they'll match 100% of your first bet up to $1,000, no matter if that bet wins or loses. You don't have to be at the stadium to enjoy football this fall. Just visit Superbook.com or download the Superbook Colorado app right now. 
and start getting in on all of the action. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. and roll Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I don't know if I gave it enough credit uh, when talking about the starters just now, but Jamal Murray was seriously diming up tonight. He was fantastic passing the ball. Set up Jokic extremely well, both on the short roll, but also like side pick and rolls where he has to kind of maneuver the ball behind his body in order to hit Jokic on the dump off. It was great. And then obviously the, the zinger right under the rim to Aaron Gordon to seal the game. That was a big, big deal. And he's learning a lot of these passes from Jokic. Obviously, he's had some of these in the bag, but those two playing with each other, understanding the flow of the game. Murray's just such a high IQ player. He does not get enough credit for it because sometimes he doesn't necessarily look and play with that style because a lot of people will look at him and think, okay, scoring point guard doesn't necessarily average a bunch of assists. Like, he is not necessarily super high IQ in that regard, but he is. Like, he truly is. He reads it well. He just knows that the read, in a lot of times, is just him taking a shot. So, I love to see it. I think it's been great. Ten games into the season, he's just, he's he's in a great spot. All right, let's get to the bench here. Uh, basically, the same rotations. And we get to talk about that because it's exciting. Denver's had this... Uh, Exact rotation basically in the San Antonio game, where you have Bruce Brown coming in first for Michael Porter. Michael Porter comes back in when Jokic goes out, basically. Denver always has a starter on the court, never a point where they don't. I think there was a brief moment in the second quarter where Christian Brown was in the game. Um, no, actually, no, there, there wasn't because Christian Brown came in for Bruce Brown and MPJ was still out there. But no, it was good. It, it's it's a good rotation. And just because it didn't work as well tonight doesn't necessarily mean the rotation is flawed. Like, I think Denver's able to get to a lot of their combinations, a lot of their good stuff because of it. And actually, there were some differences in the rotation tonight that I really liked, where you have Bones Highland closing, or not, not closing, but he was playing a little bit of extended minutes, played 24 minutes tonight. Played, I think, 13 in the first half, seven or 11 in the second half. And he actually played some minutes next to Jamal Murray in lineups featuring Bones, Murray, one of KCP or Bruce Brown, Aaron Gordon, and Nikola Jokic. And I like that combo. I like having Aaron Gordon out there to kind of anchor some of the defensive stuff. Obviously, Jokic and Murray out there, but Bones adds that other dimension where you can throw him out there as a ball handler and a shooter. And he had a a three-pointer in that stretch. I think he had a nice floater in the second half uh, while Jokic and him were running. Not a little bit of a two-man game, but just like they ran a a secondary action, basically. They yielded a floater for Bones in the paint, which is great to see. Like That's different ways that Denver can score, can involve different guys. You don't necessarily always have to have your starters out there. Don't necessarily always have to go to Bruce Brown. 
could go to KCP with that group. You could go to Michael Porter at the four instead of Aaron Gordon. Denver hasn't really played Michael Porter at the four quite yet. I wonder if that's coming. I bet it is at some point, but so far MPJ has mostly played the three. But on the bench specifically, uh, the primary bench lineup that Denver used for most of this night, Bones, Bruce Brown, MPJ, Jeff Green, DeAndre Jordan. Uh, Bones, for most of this game, wasn't great. I, I don't want to belabor it because he was so great in this last game. You knew that there was some regression coming for sure. But I have to imagine that the Spurs had a little bit of a target on Bones in this game. They were not going to let him go off to the same degree. He still was productive, 14 points, but he did have five turnovers to just one assist. And that ratio is just not going to fly. There was a lot there where he's pounding the ball, not necessarily finding the players in the pockets that he really wanted to. Uh, Didn't have that connection with DeAndre Jordan tonight. And also didn't really set up Michael Porter. I think that that's probably the story of the bench right now, is that it's talented enough to kind of get you through most nights. And honestly... Like in a game like tonight where Denver's starters are fantastic most of the time and the bench just doesn't have to suck. You look at the plus minuses and there were 10 players that played. Christian Brown only played like two and a half minutes. He was plus three. But uh, Jeff Green was minus four. Bruce Brown minus six. DeAndre Jordan and Bones Highland each minus nine. In previous years, that group would be minus 15, minus 20. Minus whatever. And it's nice to see that like, hey, you have a down night, not necessarily great, no problem. We're okay with minus nine. Minus nine can be solved. It wasn't great. I don't even necessarily think that I'd blame Bones or DeAndre or whoever. But I do think that Denver, they have some things to figure out, but they're in a much better place now with figuring those things out than they were last year, where you're just throwing any good player out there, hoping that it sticks. Denver couldn't really stagger last year because you don't have Murray, you don't have Porter. Those are the guys that you would stagger to try to prop up some offense. Bones was a rookie. And so it took a little bit to figure out a decent formula. Now it's it's fine. Like If last year's bench with Bones and DeMarcus Cousins like by the end of it, if they each went minus nine, they'd be fine. Like I think everybody would be like, okay, could have been better, but didn't lose the game. That's exactly how it was tonight. This was one of their like subpar nights. So that's great. That's great in my opinion. Bones has to be better point guarding. I think that he got caught up in pounding the ball a little bit too much. The ball didn't really move think that Bruce Brown is still trying to figure out how to play with that second unit. It's not working right now. Uh, I, I think that the numbers are going to bear that out. Bruce Brown's plus minus is not going to look very good, even though that his like he's a very good player and very helpful in a lot of different contexts. Like he had one steal and two blocks tonight. But I do think that the group that's out there With Bones, Bruce Brown, Jeff Green, DeAndre Jordan, and Michael Porter as the stagger. It's functional. 
but you need some effort. Bruce Brown had zero rebounds tonight. Not necessarily his job to rebound as a smaller guard. Bones had two. DeAndre Jordan had eight in 14 minutes. He did his job. No question about that. I actually think that DeAndre Jordan was pretty good. There are some mistakes, like there always are with everybody, but I think that DeAndre Jordan was fine. Jeff Green only had two rebounds. Honestly, if I'm if I'm being completely honest, I think Jeff Green probably should have had six or seven rebounds. And him only coming down with two, not necessarily great. The three-pointers uh, has regressed for sure. He went 0 of 2 tonight. I think he was at about 35% before tonight. So it's going down just a little bit, but we'll see if he can trend back up here. He has to be a better rebounder with this group especially when they forced as many misses as they did. Like I thought that they were reasonable. And it's too bad that like the numbers are going to bear that out, but they can be better. I think that this was more of an effort focus kind of thing. I thought that Aaron Gordon and Jeff Green both struggled with that tonight. But it is what it is. Like You still won the rebounding battle, 40 to 38. Uh, Denver still had a lot of good things to think about, even with that bench unit kind of struggling. But it really does go as Bones goes. And if Bones isn't fully on, if he's not navigating everything clearly, then it's going to struggle. Right now, Bones is shooting way better, way better from three than he is from two. And that seems not necessarily problematic, but Teams are going to start game planning for that. They're going to push out higher and higher on Bones. They're going to trap him. They're going to try to get the ball out of his hands and force others to go. And Denver's going to have to have some other options. It can't just be Bruce Brown trying to pressure release because he's actually not great at finishing around the rim, at uh, finishing through contact. That's just not really his game. And Jeff Green kind of struggles at times. Michael Porter, not not a ball handler. Like, that's just not who he is. That's fine. But they're going to need to find some other version of that group that can be sustainable. Because if Bones doesn't have it going, at least from a playmaking standpoint, then you're going to see a lot of nights where the plus minus is minus five to minus nine. It's survival survivable. There's no doubt about that. But in lineups and in games where the starters are going to be pressured a little bit more, the bench is going to have to come up big at some points. So they didn't have to do it tonight, but they will at some point over the course of this road trip. Even Indiana. Indiana won a big game tonight against New Orleans. So the bench is going to have to come to play in that game. They can't just phone it in. Obviously, the same goes for Boston. Obviously, the same goes for Chicago. You got to find ways. All three of those teams, Indiana, Boston, Chicago, they won tonight. So Denver's bench, they're going to have to be good. They're going to have to figure it out. The good news is that Denver's relatively healthy, knock on wood, and they are going to have some opportunities on this road trip to really iron some things out, to clean some things up. That's great. That's awesome. You get to do this early in the season. Not a not a problem. So looking forward to it. Looking forward to seeing what Denver can come up with here. But it was a great win. Hard to complain. 
Denver's now plus three in the road wins minus home losses category because they're four and out at home. They're now three and three on the road, which is perfectly reasonable. You win every game at home. You win half of them on the road. You're winning 60 games. Seems like a good idea. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to discuss the Jokic-Murray duo in a little bit more depth. We'll be right back. Final segment, pickaxe and roll. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Let's wrap this bad boy up. 3 0 in November. Vibes are great. Denver 7 3. As I mentioned, they're tied for second in the West right now. Obviously, records don't really matter. Like, standings don't really matter right now. But here's the thing if you go 7 3 every 10 games, like, just do that every 10 games. Or no, I guess you, yeah. So you do that, you multiply that by eight. You're at 56 wins. You don't have to go crazy. You don't have to go on a major run. You can have a couple wishy-washy games here or there. It doesn't necessarily have to be perfect. But if you go seven and three every 10 games, then you'll have 56 wins by the time game 81 rolls around. And that's a great place to be. That's what Denver wants. They want to be in that position where can lock in home court advantage. You don't have to worry about the plan. You're playing great basketball all throughout. You're working on things. You don't even really have to worry about like just getting in. So you can work, worry about your playoff rotation. You can worry about your rest. You can try to iron some things out. It's great. One of the things that they may just not need to iron out is the Jokic Murray two-man game. Right now it's lit. It is insane how great it looked tonight. There are just so many ways that you can run offense through either of those guys. They've been experimenting with Murray post-ups. They like to run Jokic pick and rolls where Murray is setting the screen, where Bruce Brown or KCP is setting the screen. And if those guys roll and there's no immediate action, Jokic will pitch the ball back over to Murray and they'll run a pick and roll. Jokic will get the ball back and Murray will come off of the screen for a DHL. There are so many different ways. And they trust each other. And fans can trust them. Just without without any regret. Because of what they've done. What they've already shown. And how cool, calm, and collected everything seems to be in those moments. When they don't score, it almost feels like an accident. Like, oh crap, I guess we, we didn't score that time down. That's crazy. But they were running such great action. They were creating open shots for each other. They were like Murray hit a couple step backs. Uh, He had an up and under earlier in that fourth quarter against Jeremy Sohan where you just take the rookie to school because Murray knows exactly how to leverage the defense. And that's the great thing about those guys is that it's not necessarily like, oh man, they're individually dominant or they are, they have such an elite skill at one thing, that that skill is unstoppable. It's that they can leverage the defense and take advantage of the gaps and just adapt to whatever that gap actually is, whether it's Murray splitting the double 
whether it's him feeding Jokic on the pick and roll and then Jokic kind of running the two man, like he's running the short roll and making decisions there. Whether it's Murray rejecting the screen because his defender's cheating a little bit too much and then he steps back to his left and hits a long two. He's just so comfortable doing it all. And Jokic looks so comfortable doing it with him too. Like it's one of those things where Denver's clutch offense last year, it wasn't very good. It was a lot of Jokic relying on whether it was Morris to set him up, whether it was Will Barton to set him up. Sometimes he'd run two-man game with Aaron Gordon. It wasn't great. Jokic and Murray running two-man game, it just puts those all to bed. There is no reason to do anything else, except possibly when Michael Porter's out there. And that's the thing. That's the thing about this game that is so fascinating to me, because Michael Malone simplified things. There was a point where Michael Porter, 24 points in like 9 of 16 from the field, scored it in 30 minutes, was probably going to come back into the game until he kind of lost steam a little bit at the end of his stint, where he's in this 29th minute, his 30th minute, and Porter looks not great towards the end of that stretch at the beginning of the fourth quarter. And then Jokic and Murray come back in, Porter comes out. Maybe Malone had the belief that he was going to close with Porter, maybe he didn't. But when Murray and Jokic just locked in the way that they did when they came back in, it made the decision for Malone easy. Because you have these two guys in Murray and Jokic that are creating offense, creating open shots consistently. There's no question that they can get a good shot. The only question is whether Denver can generate enough stops to make sure that those opportunities the Jokic and Murray are getting are enough. And so you put in Bruce Brown for Michael Porter. You have KCP and Aaron Gordon also locking in on that end. And it's just a great lineup. Like I talked about it in the first segment, it's a great group to have out there because it simplifies things. You're running Jokic Murray game on the offense. And you're running, kind of switch everything one through four on defense, play the passing lanes, uh, bust your ass and just like try to contest everything. Jokic be uh, not a gambler, but just try to keep everything in front of you and then make them make tough shots. And it works. It absolutely works. And so Michael Porter while he is like he's a variance player that's what i would dis- i would describe michael porter as because sometimes like he's mostly positive variance let's be honest like the dude is incredible and he was great once again tonight 4 of 8 from 3 24 points definitely contributed to this win but there's always some negative variance when you're talking about high variance players we replace bruce brown with that you're taking out the negative variance. Now, could the positive have outweighed that? Could that have happened? Absolutely. But do I understand Malone going to Bruce Brown instead because he knows that he's going to get good from Jokic and Murray? Absolutely. I totally get that. This was a great opportunity to work on that. This was the right team to play it against too because as I mentioned, you've got Trey Jones, Josh Richardson, Devin Vassell, and Keldon Johnson. Perimeter-based lineup, 
You need smaller guys. Michael Porter, probably not the best switch defender in those situations. So you might as well get, a, get somebody who can. And they did. It was a great game. It was a great opportunity to be reminded that Jokic and Murray are lit. How many teams in the NBA have an action or two actions or whatever that they can always go to like what the Nuggets have with the Jokic-Murray two-man? I don't know if there's a lot. Like There are some really good actions out there. Don't get me wrong. Like I think of the Warriors. I think of Steph and Clay screening for each other in different ways while Draymond quarterbacks and makes the read, whether it's a cut, whether it's an off the screen, whether they ultimately run a DHO, whether he pitches it out to somebody else. Uh, the Warriors running that action is always going to generate something good. And they did it again tonight. The Suns, when they have CP3 running pick and roll with Aiton, and then he sets up Devin Booker, whether that's on a, a pitch play or if it's on uh, just like Booker lifting to the weak side and then having an isolation. There's a lot of different ways that the Suns can get to that, and that's great. The Mavs, when Luka is basically running any ball screen with somebody, it's pretty easy. They've made it easy. Boston is also doing some creative stuff with Jason Tatum, but we can get into that at a different point. But Denver's right there with just about any of them. You know that Jokic and Murray believe that they could run that offense and run it to perfection in those moments against anybody. They've had so much experience doing it. Really started in the 2018-19 season, Murray's third year, Jokic's fourth year, where those guys, they play without most of the other starters. They are forced to kind of do their own two-man game to create offense, and it's born out of that. They hone it over the course of 2019-20. They run it to perfection in the bubble, gets them to the Western Conference Finals. 2021, they're running it to perfection as well, working in MPJ. Then Murray goes down. Jokic is forced to evolve and become a better player. And now Murray is back. And they're back to running a lot of the same things. Just with Jokic being better, I think that Murray will eventually be better too. I know that there's a lot of people that never think that Murray will get back to being what he was in the bubble. I'm not one of those people. I think that there will be moments, and maybe it's even more consistent moments, where Murray is just that dude who's playing. And like I heard D-Line say this on the DMVR show. like He's just playing like Michael Jordan out there once again. And... I don't know. Like, probably not Michael. Could he be Kobe? Could he be Kobe to Jokic's Shaq? I've made that comparison before. I've written that article before on Denver Stiffs. That was, uh, I got a lot of brushback for that. And then they did what they did in the bow. It was awesome. So this, uh, this cobbled together some memories of that. There's a lot to look forward to for the rest of the season. Just, Thank your lucky stars that Murray's back. He looks great. Jokic, when, when Jokic is locked in and trying to like push the envelope, push the tempo, and doing so with precision, there's just no player that does it better than him. And having Murray as the perfect running mate, it makes dreaming possible. It really does. That's what this is all about. You get to dream again with Jamal Murray and Michael Porter back on the team. 
It's been a lot of fun. That is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I'll be back tomorrow. Going to do some, I think, probably some numbers through 10 games for the Nuggets. They're 7-3. and three. I'll be able to share some things, uh, share some insights. Should be a lot of fun. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Talk to you guys tomorrow.